Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week 10 of Sunbelt football kicked off last night when South Alabama and Troy battled for the belt. Tomorrow represents another tantalizing menu of games, including two nationally televised matchups and multiple can't-miss games. We're excited to talk about it in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Wednesday's episode. We sat down with South Alabama linebacker James Miller for the newest conversation in our Sunbelt Athlete Series. If you missed the conversation, you're going to want to go give it a listen. Today on episode 142 of the show, it's time for our Week 10 preview. We're excited to preview our Game of the Week between Old Dominion and Coastal Carolina. We'll break down the huge matchup in Atlanta between 23rd-ranked James Madison and Georgia State and look at a possible high-scoring affair taking place in San Marcos on Saturday. Caden, we're going to wait to talk about the battle for the belt until Monday. It served as the perfect appetizer to this full course of games on Saturday's Sunbelt football menu. What's got you excited about Saturday? No, I mean, I think when the people, they'll never get the back door, never get a look at how we pick our games of the week. But I think looking at this week, this might have been the hardest slate to pick from. There's so many good games to watch from. I'm just really looking forward to watching all these matchups. And as we said in the past, and as we'll say now, they remember November. So this is the most important stretch of the season. Now, I feel like now heading into this back end of the year, it's going to be more about which teams who are in that championship race, in that championship hunt. Who's going to play their best brand of football these last four weeks? Who's going to finish strong and maybe kind of put some of those blemishes on their resume in the past, finish the season strong, and maybe set themselves up to be in the conference championship game? So I think this is where now we're going to see teams really separate themselves as far as teams that have the mature teams, the teams that are used to these big stages and playing in the month of November, maybe some cold weather as well. We're going to see the veteran teams and the teams who are trying to make that leap and try to make that step really do it this much. And I expect to see some separation from the rest of the pack starting this weekend. Well, normally, Kate and I would talk about our power rankings for the week right here. We're both, though, on a busy week, so we kind of infuse that throughout the conversation this episode. So, as promised, we'll be previewing all the remaining games in Week 10 of Sunbelt Football. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we're previewing, or previewing each of the weekend's matchups in the Sunbelt Let's start with our game of the week, Caden. Old Dominion versus Coastal Carolina. As you said a few moments ago, this one was a tough one for us to decide what would be our game of the week. And we ultimately settled on choosing some teams that we haven't necessarily talked as much about. There is the great James Madison-Georgia State matchup. We'll get to that in a moment. But, Caden, this game will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN2 on Saturday. Coastal Car- or ESPN Plus, rather. Coastal Carolina will be looking for their four straight bowl appearance, a rematch of one of the more surprising games from last year when Old Dominion won 49 to 21 in a game that game we've affectionately called the Blake Watson game. ODU's 2-0 all-time versus Coastal Carolina. They won the last time these two teams played in Norfolk 63 to 35 in 2012. Kane, an interesting matchup here because it pits two teams that had impressive performances last weekend. Old Dominion went toe-to-toe with James Madison, the only team to really do so outside of Troy this year. Coastal Carolina dominated Marshall without Grayson McCall. Which game was more impressive to you in your mind, Caden? And, and who do you think is best set up to finish this season strong? Yeah, no, definitely just starting off with us picking this matchup. I think this is a great matchup. I think both of these teams with their recent plays definitely garnered a game of the week spot for us. And you can just tell that it's going to be a great game just based on how close the line is compared to others. So just a shout out to both of these squads for really playing some of their best football lately. But definitely doesn't feel crazy to say Old Dominion's loss to JMU impressed me more than Coastal's win over Marshall. No, I feel like 
they didn't get the win, but they got to, you just got to see all the intangibles you'd want to see from a team who's actually trying to compete for a conference championship that we might not have expected coming into the season. We saw them battle. We saw them stand toe-to-toe with a team that's very intimidating to play. I mean, playing any undefeated team, you can ask any player, they might lie to you. But if you're playing a team that has not lost a game yet, they haven't lost in a while, it's just intimidating to play. But the emotions from the players were high. There was high effort on the offensive side of the ball. There was high energy on the defensive side of the ball and vice versa. And I think within the game, they also impressed as well. It was great to see the intangibles and see all that stuff you want to see that's just the extra stuff that comes with being an elite team, but also seeing their offense and defense go to work in this game was impressive. Their players were put in a ton of great positions to succeed and they definitely capitalized. And you just have to give your hats off to the coaching staff and the players for executing that. And then defensively, they caused turnovers. They played extremely downhill and aggressive in the run game. They played excellent on third down. They just gave up a couple big plays and they lost to JMU and probably their closely most closely contested battle we've ever seen. They made JMU look humans for human for once, but I definitely don't want to take away from coastal Carolina. They looked impressive as well. They're now on this current three game winning streak that they really desperately needed after finding themselves in the hole to start off concert conference play. They rose to the occasion against Marshall without their leader, without their best time, all player of all time in Grayson McCall, which definitely deserves kudos and definitely deserves props as well. You have to, commend Jared Guest for his performance and you could kind of just tell the team especially on the offensive side of the ball was really rallying around him trying to play their best football as far as the weapons and setting him up for success and they definitely capitalized on that and then the defense really had a shutout like internally as a as a player when you keep an offense from touching the paint from not scoring a touchdown to only kicking two field goals in a game you feel like you had a shutout so I think that's a huge confidence boost for this defense that's shown a lot of improvement from last year but I think just given how suspect Marshall's been looking lately coming off of four straight losses now just have to give more kudos to Old Dominion for making old for making James Madison look more like a human team and not a team that we've seen being so dominant all year but I think moving forward this season the fact that Coastal was able to be so successful without Grayson McCall just going forward in this rest of the season given their pedigree from the past being in the conference championship game as well i would say they're better poised going forward this season despite them not having grayson mccall possibly but i could really see both of these teams kind of splitting the remainder of their games two and two i think this game is going to be a big one and just as far as the finishes of both of these teams i think they've really set themselves up both for some success in the month of november Caden, there's no denying that coastal's defense it's greatly improved this year they're giving up 50 yards per game less through the air you know, 2.1 turnovers per game this year. They had just 1.6 last year. ODU, they've been a lot better offensively too, although their exact scheme from week to week, it's been a bit elusive. It seems to be a little bit of chameleon. Caden, what are you expecting to see from this key matchup? Yeah, I think key matchups definitely the word. I think when it comes down to this game and this matchup specifically, it's going to come down to Old Dominion's offense versus this improved defense of Coastal Carolina. When you start just looking at what Old Dominion's been able to do on the offensive side of the ball. Their scheme is really cooking in the beginning of the year. They're a big question mark as far as what to expect from them. But now they're really taking advantage of having light boxes for their running backs to operate. And we've seen Keyshawn Wicks be really successful in Kadarius Calloway. And the receivers have now thrived in one-on-one coverage. And we feel like we're finally seeing this offense get into its full form and something that we did not see in the beginning of the season for sure. You mentioned guys in the wide receiving core, like an Isaiah Page, who had 10 catches against James Madison. Javon Harvey back into the fold, almost scored twice in that James Madison game. They have the weapons now, and they're putting themselves in situations to succeed. And I think 
schematically, the fact that they were able to give James Madison problems should give any defense something to worry about going forward as far as facing this Old Dominion team. And I think on the flip side, when you look at Coastal Carolina, we talked all offseason about how this defense just need to improve a little bit to help this offense out. And I think especially now, given that they're starting quarterbacks out of the lineup, they were already answering the call before. And it seems like they're answering that call even more now since Grayson McCall went down. I mean, don't look right now, Noah, but this team is holding opponents to 20 points per game right now, only behind James Madison and Troy. That's insane. That's something we couldn't have expected in the offseason. If you would have told us that probably going into the season, we would assume this is an undefeated team that's probably already prized and primed to be in the conference championship game. But just have to give a shout out to the defense for doing this but and playing well. But now this is just a completely new test for them. This Marshall team was really struggling and was very one-dimensional, but that is not the offense they're going to face in this matchup. They're going to have to have their linebackers step up in the run fits, have to be very gaps on and very responsible and not let those long runs go off. And as far as their secondary goes, they're probably going to be challenged in man coverage more than ever against a group of wide receivers that's done very well as far as finding opening space, especially in the vertical passing game. So really excited to watch this offense in particular go up against this Coastal Carolina defense. Kane, another massive element of this game is I think this is probably the most interesting quarterback matchup of Week 10. You've got Grant Wilson for Old Dominion, who's been in and out of that starting lineup, although he throws for 72% completion, 277 yards and two scores versus James Madison. He's probably solidified himself as quarterback one moving forward. We know we won't see Grayson McCall, and and there's a fear that we might not see him again this year. Jared Guest played awesome versus Marshall, career-high 289 yards, three touchdowns through the air, 325 total yards of offense, and five completions of 25 yards or more. Kane, this quarterback matchup could play a huge role in who wins on Saturday. Yeah, you said it perfect, Noah. It definitely isn't the most star-studded quarterback matchups like we've talked about in the past. We've had some of the nations even top passers going up against each other but this is one where I think just given the backstory and given the history of both of these guys I think they can have a huge impact on this game specifically and could be the difference as far as who wins and who loses you talked about Garrett Grant Wilson he's had a very up and down year this season but coming into his own for sure in the next couple games or the last couple games. And you can really look at his stats and they're pretty comparable to Grayson McCall. They've both thrown for 10 interceptions. He's thrown for one less touchdown, but obviously there's more yardage there with Grayson just dealing the rock and, and being having more responsibility in the past game this season. But when it comes to Grant Wilson right now, he's really on the up and up. And I was really impressed with what I saw from him in the James Madison game. I love his mobility in that dimension he brings with his legs. He made some great throws on the run last week and hasn't turned the ball over in the last three games through an interception. So I feel like that's what really troubled him early in the season. That's what resulted from him getting pulled out of games at times, not being in the lineup to start games. But I really like what I saw from him as a competitor on the sidelines after touchdown drives, really hyping up his receivers, talking trash. It looked like a little bit too. So I feel like this guy, now that this offense behind him has won some games and seen they can do it with him, adds a different edge to this offense. And I'm really excited to see in this game, I think the key for him is just going to be not turning the ball over and connecting on deep passes. I think if he can do those two things, this Old Dominion team is definitely going to have a chance just like they did against James Madison. And when it comes to the flip side with Jared Guest, really like what we saw from him last week. I think when you look at the offensive system he was in last season and in years previous under Jamie Chadwell, I think it's clear that this Tim Beck system might be a little bit more built for what he's capable of and his skill set. He looks very more, much more confident in this scheme. And I think he was so confident in this game that even on the rare occasions, or last game rather, against Marshall, even on the rare occasions where he may 
not have been quite as on time. He was just so confident and was having so much poise in the pocket and was just delivering the ball with so much confidence that everything was getting completed. His got, his receivers were making plays for him. He was making plays for them and vice versa. And I really just liked how decisive he was within the scheme and how he was really able to lean on his weapons and get the most out of him, almost in a way we hadn't seen Grayson McCall at times this season, just because I feel like they just relied on Grayson a little bit more. So I think both of these guys are in a very interesting position of their careers right now. I think it's a very interesting quarterback battle, and I'm very curious to see how they operate in this matchup. Kane, Coastal Carolina coming in a one-point favorite over under at 50 and a half. How do you lean here? I'm going to go with Old Dominion in this one on uh, in a home game. Just I think it's going to be a raucous environment. I think there's a little bit more excitement about this program than before, and I think they've shown so much promise in the last couple of weeks that they're even starting to believe that they can compete with anyone and beat anyone in the conference. I think we saw that last week against James Madison. I obviously love the improvement we saw from Coastal Carolina's defense, but I do think just given the performance we saw from Jared Guest last week, I just don't know if they can replicate that again, especially against a defense who just went toe-to-toe with the James Madison team and really threw some of their best shots and I think continue to do it again. So give me them winning in this one. I'll take the points on this one. I think there's going to be more points scored in this one from both teams, just because, just given the nature and the unpredictability of some of the offensive stuff we've seen in the last couple of weeks, especially at the quarterback position. So give me Old Dominion winning this one so they cover their, their end of the bargain and I'll take the over on the points. Caden, much like you, we will, uh, you know, I'll agree with you on the points. I do think we're going over the 15 and a half here, but Coastal Carolina, in my mind, answered a ton of questions last week. Uh, we knew their defense was improved. They just continued to show that. Jared Guest, who's actually really a great fit for this offense, schematically stepped in and had a big game. I've got Coastal winning this one and punching their tickets to a bowl game. It'll probably be a tight game up in Norfolk, so it certainly should be one that is well worth watching on Saturday. Okay, let's move on. Second game that we want to speak about. It's Georgia State versus the 23rd ranked James Madison Dukes. This game will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN2. A matchup of two of the best in the East. You've got JMU at 8-0. You've got Georgia State at 6-2. The Dukes are perfect all-time in this series at 2-0, but both games were in Harrisonburg, including a 42-40 win last year. JMU, this will be their seventh nationally televised game of the year. They've gotten so much exposure this season. Kane, James Madison is coming into this game off their toughest test of the season against Old Dominion. Georgia State, after falling 44-27 to last Thursday, they're coming off their worst game of the year. It's going to be interesting to see what each team's mentality is with four games left in this season. Yeah, for JMU, I definitely think their mentality is just getting back to business. The most important thing is winning, and they were still able to get that done in their last game, despite them probably not playing to the standard they wanted. But I talked about it before. I think it might be better for this team now, especially in games like this that are are coming up against a formidable Georgia State team, that they've had some competitive second-half performances. They've proved that they can go toe-to-toe with teams and not just be dominant the entire game. But when it comes down to crunch time and you need big plays from your offense and your defense, you can get that done. So I think this might even give James Madison, a new level of confidence as far as there's one thing about being dominant and having dominant performances against team. But there's another one. There's another element as far as standing toe to toe with teams and being able to win a dogfight. And they were able to do that last week. And I think for Georgia State now, they're two and two in their last four games after starting four and oh, and they just I feel like have to get that dog back in them that they had earlier in the season. The energy and the intensity we saw from them early in the season on the road against Coastal Carolina and a lot of big moments. It just got it kind of got sucked away from them in a hostile environment when they played Georgia Southern last week after a slow start. I mean, this team found themselves down 34 to seven in the third quarter and were just demoralized there for a little bit and did not look like themselves. So I feel like for the Panthers, they just got to get their edge back. I think 
the good news for them is they have clear areas to point in on the field as far as what can be improved and what can be fixed. I think in most of their losses, we've seen them now get down early, have to come back, and they just haven't proven that they can come back and battle back in games. So they know they have to either start fast consistently or get better at battling back in those situations. But I think both of those things are going to come down to the thing the things from the neck up, having the motivation, having your head coach giving you some intensity as well, and getting back to that dominant team we saw that got a 4-0 start. So I think both these teams are definitely in two interesting positions, but I think their last game situations might give them a new spark as far as them in this matchup and then going forward the rest of the month. Kane, statistically, this game, these two teams, they boast the worst secondaries in the conference. JMU gives up a league-worst 288 yards in the passing game. Georgia State not much farther behind at 282 through the air. JMU does hold an 11 to 7 interception advantage over Georgia State. In this game, what do these secondaries need to be able to accomplish? Yeah, the good news for both of these defenses, despite how many yards they have gave, uh, given up through the air, they're very much bend, don't break defenses. I mean, the points that they give up compared to how much yardage they give up through the air isn't even comparable. And you can credit a lot of that with both of their abilities to stop the run. So, as far as being a complementary defense, these secondaries might seem like a weakness, but they're not all too bad. And it's Definitely tough to say that, especially coming off of the last performances we saw. They both kind of got torched last week. You see JMU giving up 277 yards through the air and two scores, and Georgia Southern getting lit up, or Georgia Southern lighting up Georgia State with 334 yards through the air and three scores. So the Panthers have to shake that off and focus on slowing down Reggie Brown and Elijah Surratt in this one. I think they're. Georgia Southern is going to torture a lot more teams through the air this year. They have to just take that L and move on from it. But I think when you look at who they're matched up with and now they're playing a JMU offense who last week at times did get a little stagnant, couldn't get things going. And when they couldn't get things going, they were really relying on the big playability of those two wide receivers. I mean, you saw Reggie Brown end the game with nine catches for 142 yards and two scores. And Elijah Surratt get eight catches for 139 and one score. So just getting those two performances individually from wide receivers the week before you have to play them is definitely not what you want to see. But I think they really need a clue, clue in on stopping Reggie Brown, who's quite literally shifted offensive momentum for this JMU team with huge explosive plays on various occasions in the last two games. You can think back to the Marshall game where he really opened up the offense with that big 50-yard pass and did a couple did it a couple times as well against Old Dominion. And I think for James Madison, I think that they just continue leaning on their guys up front. They showed similar third down to success. They have to try to show similar third down success that we saw Georgia Southern have against Georgia State that really hindered them and kept their offense from going. So I think they can maybe take some pages out of the Eagles book as far as the coverage they played, how they were able to make Darren Granger uncomfortable up front, which they should be able to do with their front four and their front seven that they're bringing on pressure, not on pressure. They're going to find a way to get to the quarterback and make him uncomfortable. The question is going to be, can they slow down Robert Lewis and Jakari Carter? Robert Lewis was targeted a ton in that last game. And then once he was kind of taken out of the game for a little bit, that's when you saw that defense really thrive against Georgia State. So I think both of these wide receiving or wide receiving cores are capable of doing damage. So these defensive backs are now going to have a taller task. And you just have to imagine that task is going to be a little taller for JMU or for Georgia State, rather, coming off of the performance they just had versus a JMU team who looked a little bit more human than normal, but still has that pressure up front that they can always rely on as a secondary. Yeah, Caden, you know, I think you bring up a great point. JMU's run defense, they finally looked human against Old Dominion. They give up a season high 138 yards, 20 yards of sack yardage, so it was closer to like 158 yards on the ground. First time giving up 100 yards in a game in almost a year, 255 yards if you think back to that Louisville game last season. Marcus Carroll comes into this game, second leading rusher in the nation. He's had 12 rushing touchdowns this year. He's coming off of a career-high 208 yards and two touchdowns versus Georgia Southern. Will Georgia State's run game have a similar success that maybe ODU did against this James Madison defense? 
Well, they didn't last year, that's for sure. I know ODU impressed with 138 yards on the ground, predominantly in the second half against James Madison, which is probably even more impressive. But that was just given their scheme and their run game. And it's very different than what Georgia State does. Last season, these teams squared off, and it was one of the best games of the year. It was completely bizarre. If if any of the listeners remember, it's when Georgia State scored 40 points, but they had two scoop and scores and two field goals, and JMU scored 28 straight to win the game. This this league is, is has always been exciting, but that was one of the most exciting games last year. But in that game, it was one of those games where we did see some Marcus Carroll action. It was later in the season, so we did see him getting integrated into the offense, and he led the team with 14 carries, but this offense could only get 81 yards on the ground. So Marcus will get more touches in this one, so I'm curious to see how he's going to operate in this scheme. But he's not going to be in the same position the Old Dominion's running backs were last week when we saw them have success against James Madison. This Georgia State team is all about that power run game. They're trying to they're going to try to beat JMU with physicality, which is an area where JMU usually wins versus this Old Dominion attack that kind of found them out of gaps, really beat them schematically before the play and then executed and capitalized and made some people miss one on one. So I think in this game, we'll be curious to see if they try to get Marcus in space more and try to see if they can get Darren Granger going as well with his legs because he was not impressive last year on the ground against James Madison, too. Certainly will be fascinating to watch Caden JMU, five and a half point favorite, over under sitting at 54 and a half. I'll go first here. I think James Madison looked human for the first time this year against Old Dominion outside of Troy. Old Dominion gave James Madison the biggest scare of this season. I don't think Georgia State's going to be able to do the same, though. Different type of offensive game. I think Marcus Carroll could run for 100 yards in this game, but JMU's going to exploit that Georgia State secondary. Give me the Dukes winning this game, and I'm going to continue my trend of taking the over here on the 54 and a half. Yeah, I, I people remember I bet the last time against James Madison against Georgia State, and I'm going to stand on that, or Georgia Southern, and I'm going to continue to stand on that this year. I think this James Madison team showed another level of toughness last week that I really appreciated and think they'll be continue to be able to bring throughout their schedule. And I think just some of the small inconsistencies, whether it's a couple quarters, one half of football that we've seen from Georgia State throughout the year, we just have not seen with James Madison. This team last year was able to score a lot of points against James Madison. I'm sure they've kept that in the back of their minds as well and are going to look to improve on what they did last season against the Panthers. So give me James Madison to win this one. I'll take them covering in this one. I think they're going to do damage and be able to put cover that five and a half points, but I'll take the under on the points. I think both of these defenses will be able to rise to the occasion. And James Madison's might, might have to rely on some of those big plays we saw offensively last week as well to kind of keep them in this matchup. And I expect it to be close with them to pull away late with those big plays. So I'll still take the under on the points, just given the pedigree of both defenses. Okay. And third matchup, App State versus Marshall, the renewal of the old mountain feud. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on NFL Network. This one, the series dating all the way back to 1977. It wasn't played from 2002 to 2020, but since this rivalry recommenced, Marshall's won two of three. They won 28-21 in the middle of November last year. Caden's special day at App State. This will be their first home night game on a Saturday since 2014, which was their first year as an FBS program. Looking at this matchup, both App State and Marshall had high expectations entering this year. Marshall started 4-0. They've lost their last four. App State season can best be described, Caden, as a roller coaster. They're both 4-4 ahead of Week 10. What do they both need to improve upon in this game in order to set themselves up to be better in the month of November? Yeah, that's a great question. No, I think starting with Marshall, they have a lot more areas, I think, to fix even more than App State. Just a four-game losing streak is not what you expect in Huntington, that's for sure. And I think the way they're losing is definitely the most surprising part. They haven't been able to play defense consistently in the last four weeks, which we were not 
used to seeing from this team. And they haven't been able to run the ball either in the last couple of weeks. And it's really put their quarterbacks, I think, in a very compromised position where they haven't been able to succeed as much. And that's why we see a Pennington be able to get into the game in the second half. So I think for them, if they're not going to continue to solve their problems on the defensive side of the ball and in the run game, I do think they're going to have to just evolve their offense a little bit more, especially in the passing game. I just think they have to set up their weapons a little bit better down the field, stretch the defense a little bit more vertically to set up the run game and have some lighter boxes and maybe have some success. So I think as far as Marshall goes, if they're going to continue to have the same struggles, they're going to have to get better in the passing game fast and fast and try to turn that into the strength. So I think that's what they have to do. And for App State, just from going to the game and seeing them play in person last week, they're going to have to play better defense. I mean, this team is giving up the most rushing yards in the conference right now at 205 per game. We saw Frank Gore Jr. was able to play great. And then that just makes it harder for the secondary, which is a group that's been picked on all year. I just felt like last week watching this defense play, they weren't doing their offense any favor. And both of these teams haven't doing their, been doing their offense any favor. So I think the key as a whole for both of them is playing more complimentary football. But even just within App State's defense, they got to get more help from their pass rush to help their guys in the back end, vice versa with the back end, maybe getting some coverage sacks and holding up more in coverage so you can get to the quarterback. But it just felt like Southern Miss with a new coordinator last week was able to kind of have their way with the run and the pass and be just as successful. So I think both of these teams as a whole definitely have to just find a better way to play complimentary football that we've seen in the past, but more specifically, the App State defense and more specifically, the Marshall passing game. Caden, one of the matchups to watch on offense in this game is the wide receiver core of App State versus the defensive back grouping for Marshall. App State boasts arguably the deepest wide receiver core in the conference. I think Texas State has an argument. So does Georgia Southern. They're hauling in 281 yards per game this year through the air. 21 receiving touchdowns actually leads the Sun Belt. Stroman, Davis, Horn, and others. Meanwhile, for Marshall, this is a top three unit in terms of opponents' yards per game through the air, giving up just 203. They're tied for fourth in interceptions. Micah Abraham leads the Sun Belt with three interceptions this year. Break down this matchup for us, Cato. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most exciting positional matchups, I think, across the conference for the entire weekend when you look at the talent of both of these rooms. Marshall's secondary, despite this defense having more struggles, is an elite group, and they've continued to really stay elite through some injury struggles they've been going through as well. You can't say that last week against Coastal Carolina, where you just clearly saw there were some scripted plays that set up Jared Guest for success in the pass game. But I think moving forward, this is still a Marshall defense that's always done a great job of limiting explosive plays. They've done a great job of keeping quarterbacks less efficient than they normally are. And I feel like in this game, it could be a huge X factor for them, just given what else hasn't gone in their direction this year. So having Micah Abraham is huge as some guy who can just erase and block off one side of the field. It'll be interesting to see if J.J. Roberts can eventually get back after that scary injury. But you have guys like A.G. McGee in the back field, Kerryon Martin, who are going to have to step up big against the App State receiving core, who, as you mentioned, is one of the deeper units in the entire conference and really a unit that has a lot, a little bit of everything. We saw Christian Horn have a breakout game last week with two touchdowns. It's just the go-to number one receiver who you can rely to have a little bit of everything with. You have a Dalton Stroman who brings that size and that 50-50 ball ability. You have guys like a Caden Robinson, who also, just like a Christian Horn, just like a Dalton Stroman, deserves two deep balls a game. They have a lot of guys that are deep ball threats. And then when you incorporate the tight ends like they do in slot receivers like the Sean Davis across the middle and Joey Aguilar finally getting his rhythm with these guys, really having rhythm for the entire season, but definitely getting in his groove, especially last week with the amount of yards he threw for. I think this matchup is going to be a key one for sure. Obviously, the trenches are going to be huge because this is a game that has some history and has some, some pedigree as far as that line of scrimmage. I know Coach Clark is definitely going to be trying to establish his style on the line of scrimmage and vice versa with Coach Huff. But I think these receivers and these defensive backs specifically have a really good opportunity to put a lot of fingerprints and make an impact on this matchup. 
Kane Apt, three and a half point favor over under at 55. Any chance you're picking against the Mountaineers here? There is a chance. No, I hate to disappoint the fan base of Appalachian State, but I'm going with Marshall in this game. This Marshall team is coming off of four straight losses, and I just think now they're in a position where they're a little bit hungry and they need this win. They're figuring out some stuff for the quarterback position, but I think this Marshall offense is going to be able to run the ball like they weren't able to last week against the App State defense, who I mentioned before, has been the worst in the conference at 205 yards per game giving up. And we saw Frank Gore Jr. have so much success last week. And I think this is a game where Rasheen Ali is going to be able to bounce back. I have no doubts that this App State offense is going to be able to put up points. I do have doubts about if Marshall's offense is going to be able to do the same thing, but I ultimately think they're going to be able to, in this game, be able to lean back on their run game and be able to have some more success off of that as a result. So I think Marshall is going to win in this one. So they are covering their, their minus three and a half, but I'm going to take the under on the points. I think it's going to be a low scoring slugfest where both teams play some of their best defense of the year, but Marshall's ultimately able to win just given their style of play. Kane, we'd have to go back in the history of the podcast and look at the number of times that, that you've picked against App State and I've picked for App State. It can't be many, but App State didn't play great against Southern Miss, particularly defensively. Marshall looked bad against Coastal Carolina and ultimately made a change at quarterback. For me, the biggest X factor in this game is Joey Aguilar. He leads the Sunbelt Conference with 21 touchdown passes. We just spent time talking about his wide receiver core. I think they'll get going in this game. Marshall, obviously, we saw what happened to that standout secondary against Coastal Carolina a week ago. So give me App State to win and cover in this game. I do like your angle there with a little bit more defense playing in and factoring in. So I am too going to take the under on the points in this matchup. Let's move on. Texas State, Georgia Southern, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Sixth all-time meeting between these two programs. The first since 2021, which was the pre-Clay Helton era. Georgia Southern has won five straight in this matchup dating back to 2014. The Eagles 3-1 and all-time in San Marcos. Caden, if you like offense, this is the game for you. We'll get to see two of the most electric passing attacks combined. They're averaging 600 yards per game through the air this year. You've got Davis Brin and TJ Finley, who are one and two in passing yards. They both complete 66% of their passes. They're third and fourth, respectively, in passing touchdowns with 17 and 15. We might set point records in St. Marcus on Saturday. Yeah, we know we have a different game of the week, but for Caden Smith personally, this is definitely the game of the week. As a defensive guy who loves seeing great defense play, loves seeing DBs win, this is the one time of the year and the one game of the year where you can just throw all the defense out of the window, and I want to see these two offenses just score off and get after. I would love to see the linemen taken out of this game and this just be a seven-on-seven game. I think it'd be an amazing track meet between these two squads, but no, I mean, both of these quarterbacks are two of the best in the conference. They're both two quarterbacks that are allowed to throw more than any other quarterbacks in the conference, and they always capitalize on it. TJ Finley has been efficient this season. He's been great at delivering the ball to a litany of different targets that we've seen all have great kind of unexpected years. Some guys we hadn't really heard of necessarily, Cole Wilson, Joey Hobart are guys that we didn't expect. We knew they were entering this team, but just couldn't imagine them having the years they've been having with TJ Finley dishing them the ball versus a Georgia Southern team who we've now become accustomed to seeing this attack and it being as effective as it has been. Their receivers have been looking like they're even better than last year. And some of their newer, younger talent, like Adele and Cobb, who we mentioned before, might have a late season push where they're making even more of an impact on the game. We love that you love seeing younger players in the in the late rounds of the season in the most important times of the season play some in fact impactful football because that just always bets better sets them up going forward in the future. So as far as watching both of these offenses, I can't wait to watch them. Very interested to see which one's going to prevail in this one, but ultimately think that when it comes to throwing and catching the football, there's not really going to be a better matchup in the conference, maybe in conference history, than watching two, two of these offenses square off against each other. 
Caden, we just spent a lot of time talking about the prolific passing attacks, but the big question for me is how much are we going to see the run games impact both of these teams? You look at a Georgia Southern team, I think they look completely different with a healthy Jalen White. He has back-to-back 100-yard games. You've got Mahdi for Texas State, who's third in rushing yards in the Sun Belt this year, second-best yards per carry at 7.2. Both teams like to throw it, but Caden, the run game might be equally as important in this one. Yeah, it's interesting. I think when you look at Texas State's offense, they definitely look to achieve more balance. I think early in the season, we saw them throwing the ball maybe a little bit more than they wanted to. But Mahdi's just been having a fantastic year, getting 850 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns, and really getting it done in the passing game as and as a returner as well. So I expect him just in general to have more of an impact in this game. I think he's going to get more touches in this game like he's been getting all season. And you can just tell he's more of a weapon that's an every down weapon for them versus Jalen White. Really liked how they've used him this year at Georgia Southern. I feel like they use him in, in interesting doses. When you watch the ULM game, you could tell that they like their matchup running the ball. So they had a heavy dose of Jalen White early in that game, which was very effective for them versus the Georgia State game they had last weekend where they kind of got themselves a big lead. You can close out the game with Jalen White now control the clock a little bit and feed this guy a little bit more. Anytime he gets into the red zone, he's also a threat. I really love how they've been getting him the ball in the red zone and letting him stack up those touchdowns when you do throw the ball so much and then can get within five yards and either let him take advantage of the edges or just pound the rock in there for a touchdown. So I think both of these running backs, despite how much the headlines are going to be taken up about the passing game, I think both of these running backs definitely have a huge impact to play in this game. I think it's going to be more of Mahdi than White, and it'll be very interesting to see how they do choose to use White, though, given that they do it differently a little bit every game versus Mahdi, who's been a little bit more of a consistent force for them this season. Georgia Southern coming in a two-point favorite over under, sitting at 70 to half. Caden, I'll go first here. I'm riding with Georgia Southern. I think that they looked very impressive versus Georgia State. They are the odds-on favorite uh, to win the Sunbelt East Division crown at this point with the remaining games left in the season. Davis Brin had his best performance. I'm on record with saying that I think Jalen White changes the complexion of this offense when he's healthy. He's back. Look for Georgia Southern to have a big offensive game. I think Texas State's going to put up numbers. I think we're going to see an old-fashioned shootout down in San Marcos. Give me Georgia Southern to win and cover. And, you know, why the heck not, kid? Let's take the over on the points at 70 and a half. Oh my God, 70 and a half is just a crazy line. And I love that it exists. And I love that it exists in this concert, in this conference. But I'm with you, No, I'm going to take Georgia Southern in this one. They've just been looking too good lately, too sharp. And I think when we look back on the season, we might really be circling the James Madison game and the Wisconsin game as possibly the only two times this team has really slipped up. When you look at Texas State now, we just haven't seen them put four quarters together of consistent football. We didn't see it against Troy last week. We didn't see it against Monroe the week before that. We didn't see it against Louisiana. We didn't even see it against Southern Miss when they let that team creep back into the game in the second half and make some damage and took their foot off the gas. So I just think comparatively, when you've seen what Texas State has done this year recently, despite their hot start, compared to Georgia Southern, who's really only had two outlier performances where they haven't been themselves. I like what the Eagles are doing right now, and I definitely think they're going to win in this one. So give me Georgia Southern a win. Give me them to cover. And why not, Noah? Let's take the 70 and a half points. I think we could just run it up, maybe get 100 points in this game, 50 from each team. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, might as well set some scoring records while we're at it. Caden Southern Miss ULM, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. A matchup of two winless teams in Sunbelt Conference play. Both enter 0-5 in conference this year. Southern Miss holds the 5-2 advantage in the series history. They won 20-10 in Monroe a season ago, a game that FGJ ran for 200-plus yards and a touchdown. They're both looking for their first conference win. 
Caden, this is a matchup of two teams searching for that first Sunbelt win. Both enter 0-5 in league play. Southern Miss had the strong showing versus App State last week. ULM has been competitive in a number of games this year, but still searching for that elusive win. Who needs their first conference win more? Who needs it and who deserves it, I think, are two different questions. Now, I think who needs it more might have to say Southern Miss. We've talked about Will Hall as far as his criticism he's gotten for the play at the quarterback position in recent history. That definitely all culminated into their nightmare this season, winning this many, losing this many games in a row. But I do think the fact that we saw a spark from this team against App State, especially offensively last week in a game that they could have very well won. I think if they can continue to lean on that and maybe get a couple wins to close out the season, that could be bigger and mean more for the Southern Miss program moving forward, especially considering the future of Will Hall with the program. But I think Monroe deserves it a little bit more. I think when you look at them throughout this season and just the way they've been able to fight and grind through a lot of games and play a lot of teams a lot closer than people thought they would, I think this team deserves it. I'm not saying I'm picking them or want them to win any more than Southern Miss, but I just think given watching these teams play, just compare the the Southern Miss performance we saw against South Alabama on live television versus what we saw when ULM went toe-to-toe with an App State team and took that game down to the wire. I just think given the trajectory of both teams, Southern Miss might need it more, but I think the football gods might be more favorable to ULM in this game just given the effort they've had in this, in this season and, and how hard they've been trying and how close they've been getting to some of these wins. Yeah, at least one of these teams is walking out of here with a win. I think that's uh, that should be fun. Caden, I'll be watching this game for one reason. I'm still curious to see this Southern Miss offense. Was last week's game an aberration? They had season-high 588 yards and 38 points versus that App State defense, or could that be the new normal for Southern Miss? ULM's defense has certainly had their moments this year. You think back to the Texas State game, that stands out to me. How are you expecting this matchup to play out? I don't know what to expect, Noah, but I'm really excited. I don't know if Southern Miss is going to turn into a pumpkin and we're going to see another bad performance from them again offensively or if they're going to continue to ride this wave they're going on. But I did love what I saw from them in person, watching Billy Wilds look more confident than he ever has, making some great throws on the sideline, really feeding Ty Mims as far as a guy who ended this game with 10 catches for 141 yards, Jacarius Casting getting involved in the run game and the pass game. I think last week was definitely their best utilization of their weapons against a conference opponent. Obviously, Frank Gore Jr. being the headliner, getting him running for 247 yards if they can just get him going again I think it really takes a lot of pressure off of Billy Wilds in the past game so I look for this team at a minimum to at least start establishing Frank Gore early and often in this game but you mentioned it this ULM team they're not going to statistically wow you with anything they're going to be towards the bottom or at the bottom a lot of, of of a lot of defensive metrics and I've talked in the past about how penalties have hurt this team so much. But I think when you look in this one and you talk about some of those moments, I mean, Monroe shut out Georgia Southern for the entire second half. If you look at the box score and watch the one touchdown Georgia Southern scored in that game to end it, it was a pick six. And you mentioned it, the first half against Texas State kept them out of the end zone. Not many teams have done that for an entire first half. They had to kick three field goals in that game to just get nine points at halftime. So I think if ULM can channel some of those good moments we saw into an entire complete performance against a new look offense, they could be more successful. But I really think it's a toss up as far as which unit, particularly with that offense versus that defense is going to thrive in this game and probably have a big impact on a win or a loss. Caden Southern Miss coming in two and a half point favorite over under sits at 56. How are you feeling here? I'm going to go with ULM. I think if as long as they can limit penalties, they'll stay in this game a lot. I love the mobility they've shown with their freshman quarterback. I think that can give Southern Miss's defense some problems. And I think ultimately, I think they're just the tougher team, the more battle-tested team. And I think they're more ready for this moment. I think Southern Miss just got their mojo back and just got back 
to where they are as far as some of the successes and the highs we saw last year. But I think there is a chance they can come back down to earth the game, this game and maybe we see them not have this, as much success now that they have footage of their new play caller and their new plays and how they were able to operate last week. So give me ULM winning this game, which means they cover, and I'm going to take the under on the points. I think this is going to be a slugfest for both teams, really try to throw their best shot and really try to go for their first win of the season. Caden, I'm going the exact opposite direction. I'm buying the Southern Miss hype. I haven't gotten to do that this year. Southern Miss finally showed us something against App State. They put up 38 points in that game, a season high in yards. I hear what you're saying about teams now having film, but I think we saw a Southern Miss offense that maybe could make some waves down the stretch of this year. I'm hoping to see Frank Gore Jr. have another big game in this one. So give me Southern Miss covering the points at two and a half, over under at 56K. And I do think it is probably safe, like you said, to maybe take the under here. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Last matchup, Arkansas State versus Louisiana, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central on ESPN+. One of the longest-running matchups in the Sun Belt, the first meeting took place all the way back in 1972. Louisiana holds a 26-18 to record all-time. Both teams have won 10 games when the matchups are played in Jonesboro. They're 10-10. Louisiana has won six of the last seven, including a 38-18 to win at home a year ago. Caden, this is a tough matchup for Arkansas State. This is a team that gives up 187 yards per game on the ground, third worst in the Sun Belt. They're facing a UL team that runs it better than anyone. Seven games of 175 yards or more, five north of 200. They've got Cabodia as the bell cow. You've got Chris involved in the run game. You've got even Perry in Washington. Does any chance at winning this game if your Arkansas State hinge on the ability to slow down UL's run game? Oh, yeah, no. If they cannot slow this run game down for Louisiana, they are not going to win this game. I mean, it's been such a consistent force for them all year, and it's something that's really slept on, I think, as far as our perception of this team coming into the season, just because we saw the rushing attack kind of take a step back for Louisiana, and we saw them as a program take a step back as far as what we expect from them normally. And now that we're seeing them take a step back forward, I think it's a direct reflection of the run game. Louisiana wants to run the ball. It's a part of their style. If they're able to effectively run the ball, that takes time off the clock. It allows them to possess and control the game and allows their young quarterback to not throw the ball as much as he necessarily has to. I think that's been the biggest key or one of the bigger keys that we haven't probably talked about a lot is just how much Zion Chris has been able to rely on his run game and even contribute to the run game. That's probably why we don't talk about it as much because he also does his part as well. But last week, he only throws for 17 pass attempts. He did the same thing against Texas State, only throwing 17 pass attempts. They're not asking him to do a lot and they don't have to ask him to do a lot because their run game is so effective. So for Arkansas State, I don't know what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to load that box up, and it's probably going to expose some stuff on the back end as far as Zeon probably being able to unleash his full capabilities throwing the ball. But I think this game is definitely going to start and end with Arkansas State stopping the run. If they're not able to do that, it's not going to be a fun day for them for sure. You can ask a lot of teams that have played Louisiana the same thing, I think, this season. Caden, when you think back to the beginning of the season, this matchup, we would have had quarterbacks of J.T. Shrout and Ben Wooldridge. And no offense, that's just not an inspiring quarterback matchup. but now you've got two QBs of the future squaring off. You've got Jalen Rayner at Arkansas State. You've got Zeon Chris at Louisiana, both you know, really right in the middle of that freshman of the year conversation. They both provided some much-needed excitement for their respective fan bases. Caden, this could be a look at the future of the quarterback position in the conference. It really could be, no. When we're nice and old and we're talking about Sunbelt football four years from now, we could be talking about Zeon Chris and this guy, Jalen Rayner, being guys that are playing for conference championships, guys that are playing for all conference honors who might have a couple under their belt already. I really like what I've seen 
from these two young quarterbacks this season. And given how much older a lot of the quarterbacks are in this conference and how a lot of them will be gone, I think the table is set for them to be more successful down the road and really take over this conference and take it by storm. They both have the dual threat element being able to run. I think Rayner has a little bit more juice and sauce as far as what he's able to do. But you have to love what you've seen from Zion as far as being effective at really moving the chains. Anytime it's third down, you know he's a threat. Anytime you don't have a spy on him, you know he's a threat to take advantage of that. He's just done a really good job, I think, this season when he isn't on design runs, just running to space and finding space and taking advantage and making smart decisions. So I think as far as Zion as a whole goes, I think his decision-making overall has been great this year. He obviously has had to make less decisions just given that run game. Like we've mentioned, he's been efficient throwing the rock all year, but Rainer's coming off of a really impressive one. I think him being able to go toe-to-toe with ULM, get his second conference win of the season was big for his confidence. So I'm just really excited to watch both of these quarterbacks who are young, dual threats, still figuring stuff out, but have really done a great job of figuring stuff, uh, stuff out on the fly, succeeding not just in this game, but in the future as well. Kane, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm 28 years old. You're 24. I'm a little bit concerned that you think four years from now would uh, would make us old. So I, I just want to throw that in there. Uh, UL comes in nine-point favorite over under at 60K. Now you're leaning. I'm, le- I'm leaning Louisiana. I'm leaning there a lot. I think the run game is too effective, and I just do not think Arkansas State is going to have enough manpower to really counteract that. So I just have to think this game is going to start and end with the run game, and I think that's just, that's just how it's going to be. I think Louisiana is just going to get into their rhythm in the month of November. Very curious to see if we start seeing more of those kind of championship moments out of them and see if they can really build up their energy, build up their strength, and kind of get a dominant win over a conference opponent for the first time in a long time. I think they're going to be able to do it. So give me Louisiana winning this one. Give me them cover, but I'll take the under on the points. I think 60 is a little high, especially given how much they'll probably run the ball in this game. Caden, we're going to agree on this one perfectly. I, too, think Louisiana is going to win this game uh, at a nine-point favorite. I think they can win by more than a touchdown in this contest. I think Like you said, the run game for Louisiana, it has not been stopped many times this year. I I don't see Arkansas State being the team that does that. Zeon Chris continues to prove that he is probably the odds-on favorite to be freshman of the year in the conference this year. So give me Louisiana to win in this game. I think the run game gets going. I think Zeon Chris has a big performance against Arkansas State. 60 does seem a bit high for this matchup, Caden. So like you, I'm also going to take the under on the point. So Louisiana to win and cover and taking the under on the points. Well, that'll do it for our Week 10 preview. Caden and I can't wait to get our eyes on some more Sunbelt football tomorrow. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we'll be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our Week 10 recap. We'll recap all this weekend's biggest games. We'll also take time to review the midweek game between Troy and South Alabama. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we can be doing better or what you're enjoying about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. Music.